Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on on earth earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, you take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer, you are seated at the right hand of the Father, Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you. For it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Proverbs. A perfect wife, who can find her? She is far beyond the price of pearls. Her husband's heart has confidence in her. From her he will derive no little profit. Advantage, and not hurt, she brings him all the days of her life. She is always busy with wool and with flax. She does her work with eager hands. She sets her hands to the distaff. Her fingers grasp the spindle. She holds out her hand to the poor. She opens her arms to the needy. Charm is deceitful and beauty empty. The woman who is wise is the one to praise. Give her a share in what her hands have worked for, and let her works tell her praises at the city gates. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord. O blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways. By the labour of your hands you shall eat. You will be happy and prosper. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house. 
Your children like shoots of the olive around your table. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Indeed, thus shall be blessed the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. Happy are those who fear the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. You will not be expecting us to write anything to you, brothers, about times and seasons, since you know very well that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. It is when people are saying how quiet and peaceful it is that the worst suddenly happens. As suddenly as labour pains come on a pregnant woman, and there will be no way for anybody to evade it. But it is not as if you live in the dark, my brothers, for that day to overtake you like a thief. No, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness, so we should not go on sleeping as everyone else does, but stay wide awake and sober. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Live in me and let me live in you, says the Lord. My branches bear much fruit. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus spoke this parable to his disciples. The kingdom of heaven is like a man on his way abroad who summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, each in proportion to his ability. Then he set out. The man who had received the five talents promptly went and traded with them and made five more. The man who had received two made two more in the same way. But the man who had received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, a long time after, the master of those servants came back and went through his accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Here are five more that I have made. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have shown you can be faithful in small things. I will trust you with greater. Come and join in your master's happiness. Next, the man with the two talents came forward. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. Here are two more that I have made. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have shown you can be faithful in small things. I will trust you with greater. Come and join in your master's happiness. Last came forward the man who had the one talent. Sir, he said, I had heard you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered, so I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Here it is, it is yours, you have it back. But his master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant! So you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have recovered my capital with interest. So now, take the talent from him and give it to the man who has the five talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But from the man who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
As for this good-for-nothing servant, throw him out into the dark, where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gospels we've had over the last couple of Sundays have been dealing with um, our waiting for the coming of Christ. Remember the five foolish bridesmaids and the five wise bridesmaids. Those passages have been telling us that we're living in an in-between time. And, you know, the parable that we have today tells us that during this in-between time, while we wait for the return of Christ, that we need to be fruitful. The servants in the parable who are praised are the ones who bring a profit, 100% return. Now, the parable doesn't specify whether we're talking about a silver or a gold talent, but it's clear at least that, you know, we're talking about a lot of money. Um, Scripture scholars think that five gold talents would have been equivalent to something like 15 years' wages. So, I mean, if you calculate that from the average wage, um, you're looking at, like, close to $1.5 million dollars. So it's not a small amount that the master is entrusting to at least his most trusted servant. Anyway, it's interesting to contrast the two productive servants with the one who, you know, just buried his talent in the ground. We don't know from the parable how the servants went about doubling their master's money. I mean, did they do some trading in goods? Did they manage to buy low and sell high on some property? Um, We don't really know, but at least they're willing to let the talents out of their grasp. They're willing to bring the talents out into the light of day and put the money to work. In order to wheel and deal, the shrewd servants had to let people know what they had in their pockets. And in this way, you know, financial opportunities would arise and they'd be able to add to their master's capital. Now contrast this with the other servant who produces nothing with his talent. He takes the talent and he buries it in the ground somewhere. At that time, it was thought that the safest place for money and precious things was underground. In fact, it's thought that if the talent had been discovered and stolen, that the servant would not have been held responsible because he'd done the safest thing with the money. He kept it hidden, out of sight. He made sure that no one ever caught a glimpse of the stash. So the meaning of the parable is pretty plain then, right? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. The servant with only one talent, he let fear grip him. He's frozen by the possibility that his talent would be discovered and then taken from him. The other two servants, on the other hand, bring their talents out into the open for others to see. They take a calculated risk, but understand that the reward makes the risk worth it. And what we see coming from the parable is this reality. The talents come back to the servants in the measure in which they give them away. Five talents are returned to the servant who put the five talents to work. Two talents are returned to the servant who put two talents to work. But here's the interesting twist of the parable. The servant who buried the talent, who hid it away, who made sure it was never seen by others and could never possibly be stolen, um, not only did he not receive any return, even the talent that he possessed was taken from him. Now, it's a surprising turn in the parable, and I think... It strikes us as somewhat severe. I mean, wouldn't you expect Jesus to encourage us to share with those who have nothing? After all, the servants have an excess. They've made an absolute killing on the marketplace. But the very opposite occurs. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But from the man who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
Now, if you look at the cold-hearted facts, it makes perfect sense. If you've given cash to two different investors and one gives you 100% return and the other zero, then of course you're going to put all your money in with the investor who's actually bringing home the bacon. But the point of the parable isn't to give investment advice, I think. There's something deeper revealed when we compare the servants who ventured to use their talents and the servant who just buried it in the ground. If we're going to interpret the parable then clearly the master here stands for God, right? And we're the servants who are entrusted with these talents. But what do these talents stand for in our lives? Well, you know, there are many different interpretations, um, but I'll put forward one little aspect. The talents that God gives here are faith. We've all received the gift of faith from God. It's a grace. It's something that's precious and incredibly valuable. But God doesn't just give the gift of faith simply for ourselves. No, clearly, the talent that God gives us, this gift of faith, is meant to be fruitful. It's something that's meant to multiply. But the dynamic surrounding the parable of the talents is the same as our faith lives. God gives us the gift of faith so that we might use it, pull it out into the open, The great paradox here is that the way we increase our faith is by giving it away. If we adopt the logic of the servant with one talent, and we decide to stick our faith in a hole, hoping that it wouldn't see the light of day, trying to keep it out of sight, then this is a faith that will also never grow. It's only in giving that we receive. It's only in sharing our faith that we can hope to receive more faith for ourselves. If you think about it, the servants who earned more talents were the ones who didn't walk around with the money in their own pockets, but who used the money, wheeling and dealing. What's well, exactly the same for us. If the money stays in our own pockets, if we bury our faith hoping that it's never seen, then our faith cannot grow. And let's face it, that's exactly how you lose faith. That even the little we may have can be taken away. But notice too, though, that the wise servants here, the smart investors, they don't throw their cash around willy-nilly. No, if you're going to grow your capital, you need to be wise. So, you know, in much the same way, we don't throw our faith out willy-nilly. I mean, I wouldn't advocate joining the street preachers, badgering unsuspecting people and telling them to turn or burn. No, sharing our faith is something that requires prudence. Not cowardice, but prudence. Our goal here isn't to Bible bash or become a wet blanket or become the kind of person who can't talk about anything but religion. But on the other hand, people should know who we are. And we ought to be willing to invest and spend the talents of our faith. And there are little moments that we can witness to our faith. We can express our gratitude to God publicly. What a beautiful day. Thank God. Or, you know, the old practice when someone sneezes of saying, God bless you. Actually, it seems like that practice came about during the Black Death when uh, someone sneezing actually probably meant that they needed God's blessings because they were probably on their way out. Uh, Has coronavirus encouraged us to do that still more? God bless you. It's unobtrusive, but it's open. Something simple like wearing a religious article, a crucifix, a miraculous medal, a scapula. It's a simple yet public way of putting forward our faith. It's easy to skip 
the blessing before meals, when you're out in a restaurant, or otherwise make a tiny little sign of the cross. But how will your faith ever grow if you never give it away? But what about the flip side? When religion becomes the specific topic of conversation. I mean, being a priest, it happens to me often enough, but I suspect it happens a little bit differently if you're a layperson. Uh, I guess that people probably moderate their opinions a little bit when they're talking to me. But you guys might get the unvarnished aggression. It's funny, it usually happens at wedding receptions, you know, when people are a couple of glasses of wines in uh, and they lean over and they go, you know what's wrong with the Catholic Church, Father? And it's at that point interiorly I think, oh, no, no idea, and I'm dying to find out from you. Well, we're not going to get very far with that conversation. For starters, it's not an honest question. They're not looking for a dialogue. They're not looking for your opinion. And they're probably also not in much of a state to receive it. So engaging in that conversation is not going to be very fruitful. That might actually be throwing out your talents in an imprudent way. I mean, Jesus also tells us not to cast out pearls before swine. And uh, I've been to enough wedding receptions to know that there are a few swine out there. But that's very different from a one-on-one conversation where someone is searching and you've got something to show them, something beautiful, something precious. If we step back in those moments, well, we're burying our talent, aren't we? We don't share our faith in order to judge people in order to condemn them, in order to show them how wrong they have been all their life. No, our talent, our faith, is called to be fruitful, to multiply. We need to be wise and faithful servants, so that when our time comes, the Master may return and say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have shown you can be faithful in small things. I will trust you with greater, come and join in your master's happiness. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the the Father Father Almighty, Creator Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, We dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.